Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's podcast, we have a special guest joining us to talk more about endometriosis and intimacy. We have done a couple podcasts in the past all about what is endometriosis. We've had some ladies on who have personally had endometriosis. And now I really want to take a little bit of a different approach for Endometriosis Awareness Month and talk a little bit more about intimacy related to endometriosis and how to improve your intimacy if you are dealing with painful intercourse and have endometriosis. So this episode is full of great information. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about my guide to eating to support your menstrual cycle. Did you know that there are different foods to eat throughout your 28-day menstrual cycle to optimize your hormones and help you feel and operate at your best? My free go-to guide is the tool to help you begin eating to support your body. And this is something that, you know, if you have been listening to this podcast, I talk a lot about what you put into your body, foods, how that impacts a, a variety of different conditions. And I am just so excited to have this guide officially out and available to you. To get your free guide to eating to support your menstrual cycle, go to jordandonnell.com slash foods, F-O-O-D-S. Link will also be in the show notes. Joining me today is LJ Johnson. She is a lady that I met over on Instagram who is the founder of the Endo Warrior Academy. And she really helps women who have endometriosis, fibroids, and PCOS take control of their body and understand their body better. She has some really, really great resources. She is a holistic hormone expert, and I am so excited to have her here with me today to talk more about intimacy. All right, LJ, I am so excited to chat with you today. I know that you are an expert on endometriosis, and I am really excited to chat with you a little bit more about endometriosis and how that affects intimacy for some women. I've done a few podcasts in the past where I had experts on endometriosis, women who have experienced endometriosis come on and talk about it, but I would love to kind of get more from an intimacy side what that's like. So tell me a little bit about like how endometriosis affects intimacy. It's a big deal. I'm going to speak from my personal experience and my patients and let me know if you want one more or the other. It's a huge, huge deal. I get very emotional as we start. I'm like, Ooh, hopefully the tears won't start to flow, but it's a big deal. And so I'll just speak from my own personal story. I remember when I was married, just having pain during intercourse, wanting to be intimate, all of those things that were going on. And so I remember the biggest thing for me, right? The biggest, biggest thing is I wasn't informed enough. I didn't have enough education when I first got my endometriosis diagnosis. It took me 16 years to get that diagnosis. And once I got it, I was blaming myself, right? So when my ex-husband at the time I was married was frustrated with me, it was just kind of like, well, my doctor hasn't told me anything. I don't know what's going on, right? And to have, I mean, just to rewind, when you have endometriosis and to not know what's going on with your body, right? Like your body is doing its own thing. You're just kind of like, 
holding on by a prayer and a protein shake, right? Like you don't really know what's going on. Your body's doing its own thing. You're in pain. You can't do your daily functions. And then you're still trying to maintain the relationship. You're trying to be intimate. For me, I was married with two children and it was a lot. It was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of just painful conversation. Even looking back and thinking back, I was married for 14 years. I've been divorced for about eight years now. I even now at 42 years old, I'm like, if I could go back, there were some huge things I would have done differently, right? Trying to explain to my ex-husband what was going on with my body. I couldn't even at times articulate what was going on. It was just very painful. It was very uncomfortable, not to mention all the hot flashes and the weight gain. And then you're not feeling as sexual and just all these other things that were going on. So it can be a huge, I would say it's probably, I'd say the top two or three complaints when you're dealing with endometriosis. I mean, yes, there's the endo belly, the bloating, the weight gain and all that, but the intimacy and then just the painful sex is a very, very big deal. It's hard to ignore. It's not something that you can just put in the back of your mind. I mean, you can, but eventually, hey, you're going to have to perform, right? You're going to have to show up and show out and not knowing how painful it's going to be, not knowing if it's something you're going to be able to enjoy. Or for me, which I recommend people don't do, I spent a lot of time just grinning and bearing it, pushing through. You know, I'm a strong black woman, I got this. And it was like, oh yeah, like it started to be traumatic, right? Like it started to build on trauma. Oh, I am going to definitely expand on that a little bit more. I think that especially with endometriosis, but a lot of times women are told just deal with it. Right. And that's part of Yeah, that's what to expect. I mean, think about how many times initially when we go to have sex for the first time in our life, we're expecting that to be a painful experience. And oh, you brought up another really interesting point is that you it took 16 years to get a diagnosis for you. And that is not uncommon. It takes most women hundreds of doctor's visits and at least eight years to get an endometriosis diagnosis. And this whole time, you just are potentially confused and lost in your body and you just don't understand what's happening. When it comes to painful sex or dyspareunia, the medical term, what does that feel like for some women? It is, like I say, as I push back the emotions, it's when I say it's painful, it is like almost life altering, right? There's pain where you you break an ankle, you're overdoing a workout, you kink your back, you know, that's one thing, right? This is pain that literally is piercing throughout your entire body. And that's another thing people don't understand that endometriosis, yes, it affects your pelvic region, your womb, you know, your womb area, but it's not just a reproductive disease. It is chronic systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. So when you're having that penetrative sex and it is painful, like you can feel it in your hips, it's it's nerves shooting down your legs. It is like there, I mean, to be honest, there were times I was in tears, like it was painful, right? I, and I didn't know how to explain what was going on? Because like I said, in the beginning, I didn't even know what was going on, right? I was blaming myself. I was blaming my body. Um, You know, I felt like I was eating clean. So I wasn't blaming my nutrition. I'm like, all right, I got this nutrition thing under wrap, but my body and it's super painful. I've had two children, you know, one without an epidural. My second one, I wanted the epidural and I was just waiting for it. And then when they told me I couldn't have it, that's when I broke down. Cause I was like, the pain is coming, right? My head was already hanging out. It was a little too late, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm like, even the pain of childbirth did not compare to being intimate with my husband at the time, right? Like that's a 
big deal, right? And especially for a newlywed and you're young and you're you know, feeling vivacious and you're just like, I got this. Everything is amazing. You know, you want the home, the white picket fence, the children, and then to have that huge connection that you couldn't, I just, for me, it was a connection I couldn't maintain, right? And so it became a lot of resentment with my ex-husband. I was in pain. I'd avoid it. I'd be working out. I'd do anything, right? I'd be like, oh, I got to scrub the bathroom with a toothbrush. <laughs> it was like, I had every excuse in the book, but it was just so, so painful. And not just in my vaginal area, but like back even in my rectum, right? Like I just, it was just, I know, hopefully it's not too TMI, but I mean, it, it was extremely, extremely painful. And then afterward, then being constipated because then my body was inflamed or my bladder was on pens and needles the next three or four days. It was kind of like, I felt like if I had sex, it was like, okay, that was all fine and great. But I knew at some point I was going to almost like pay. There was like a consequence almost to my actions. And that was also weird too, because I'm like, why am I having these issues when it's supposed to be an amazing part of my life? You know, I'm supposed to be able to connect with my husband and it's supposed to be all great. But it was like, oh, great. If I have sex on Wednesday, I'm pretty much out of commission until next Monday, because I'm going to have all these other issues that come. And so, yeah, it was a very, very big deal for me. Is sex and intimacy still painful for you now now that you have a diagnosis now at like this point in your life? At this point in my life, no. So thankfully I've been able to make some huge, and I repeat huge, not just going gluten-free and going dairy-free, right? There's those easy things that you can do. And then there's those tough things. I've had to make substantial changes with my nutrition, huge changes in my fitness routine. I've had to step down from fitness positions where I was traveling and over-exercising. So I've had to make a lot of changes, lifestyle changes, detoxification, all kinds of things. And so after doing all of that, I no longer have painful periods. I no longer have painful sex. And it's a huge leap from where I was because, you know, at any moment, the pain could strike and would take me right back to that trauma, right? Because it's still trauma that you've got to work through, you know, not just with your partner, but moving forward and how do you explain it to a partner? Like all of that comes in. So like I said, luckily for me at this point, I don't have any pain and it's, it's a blessing, but I've been there where it was, yeah, it was just really traumatic. That's really the only way to put it. What are some tips or advice that you have for women who currently have pain with intercourse, who have endometriosis? Like, what are some things that they can do? My first thing is communicate with your partner as that's the one thing that I, as I look back, it's almost like your parents, your, your parents are like, oh my gosh, if I could do something different. I'm that 42 year old girl now that I'm like, oh my gosh, if I could go back and tell my 21 year old self, my 25 year old self, it's okay to sit down and have these conversations. I'll be very honest and transparent. That is where I went wrong. And that's why it's always number one on my list. See what you can do. I don't care if you have to write it on your iPad and sit down and made the tears flow it still have that little bullet point, those lists of things of what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. Communicate with your partner. So, so many times, even now, as I work with my patients, when their partners come in and we're talking and they're just like, they're usually the husbands or even the boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever. They're just terrified because they're like, we had no idea it was so painful for you. And so that is why I always remember that. And finally, when I did have that conversation with my ex-husband, it was like, oh, well, you should have said something. And it was just like, 
I didn't know. It's like you said, I felt like it was my duty. I didn't know if I could say anything. I didn't know how to say something. And usually when I did, it came out, you know, it was because you were angry. So then I was being very defensive. So I always say it. I mean, I joke about it, but have the tools in your toolbox before the flare, right? Have the conversation with your partner before you're in the bedroom, right? That's not the conversation you want to have when you're in the bedroom, right? That's the conversation you want to have, maybe not out to dinner, but maybe at the kitchen table or when you're on the couch or something, but not in the act unless needed, right? But obviously if something's going on and it's uncomfortable while you're in the act, yes, address it immediately, but have a conversation with your partner and let them know what's going on and even be transparent. If you're like, Hey, I don't even have all the medical terms for this, but this is what I do know. When you do X, Y, Z, one, two, three, I feel this, that, and the other. I remember one time I felt like I was going to pass out, right? And it's like, how do you explain to them that you're supposed to be, this is supposed to be amazing and feel amazing. But I was just like, hurry, hurry. Like the pain tolerance was kicking up. So communicate with your partner, no matter how uncomfortable it is. If that partner really loves you and cares about you, they will make adjustments, right? There's different positions you can do. There's things that you may have to back down on. Some people have intercourse during menstruation because it's more comfortable for them, right? So you have to find what works for you. But the only way you can do that is communicate. Another thing I would say with the communication is it's okay to bring your partner to the OB or to someone when you're working with your coach or nutritionist or whatever, and have them kind of explain too, because sometimes you just don't have the words. Now I do have an endometriosis workbook and there's some information in there that is very helpful for any of my endo warriors, but it's also really helpful for partners. Actually, my last person that purchased my endometriosis workbook was a husband and he was just like, oh my gosh, I heard you on Clubhouse. And he was like, I just, he's like, it was crazy. Cause he's like, I thought it was so rare. And then he's like, to see another woman just openly talking about it. So he bought the workbook because he was like, I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to relate. And so he literally called me a few days later in tears. And he was just like, oh my gosh. He's like, I didn't realize it was that painful for her. He was like, I knew in the back of my mind it was bad. And he's like, and I didn't want to be thinking that she was lazy or just her, but he's like, I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, it can really, a flare can be a couple hours for someone up to a couple of weeks. And you still have all your other everyday things that you have to do while your body is literally pushing against you and fighting against you almost. So yes, definitely communicating with your partner, trying different positions, right? And speaking to your doctor as well, because I think so many times when you get the diagnosis, for me, I'll just refer back to my own story. I was devastated to get the diagnosis and I pretty much figured it out on my own, brought them the research and they're like, you know what? Yeah, girl, you're onto something. I think that's right. So they did the legwork and then we figured out it was. But then after that, it was like, okay, there's no cure. That was a little disheartening, right? So sometimes after people hear that, they're just like, well, I don't even need to go back to my doctor. What is she going to do for me? There's no cure. But I mean, communicating with your doctor, there's different things that you can do, you know, to decrease the inflammation. The other big thing is pelvic physical therapy. And I think a lot of people really just poo poo that, or they're like, I can do my kegels at home, girl. And I'm like, yeah, you can. But what you're doing with the pelvic physical therapist is like, way, way bigger than kegels, right? Like it's not just kegels. And some of that tightening of the uterus and tightening of the pelvic area, doing those kegels, what we need to do is release that tension, right? So working with a pelvic physical therapist was huge for me. It increased my body awareness. It was easier for me to explain to my partner. It was easier for me to wrap my head around it when I was more aware of what was going on inside of my body, right? Because at first I was blaming myself. I was blaming everything, my genetics, you know, poor me, I'm just a horrible person, you know, all of these things. But the more education I got, it made it a lot easier for me to just manage my symptoms.
Yes. And when it comes to pelvic floor and Kegels, one of the biggest things that I know is that Kegels are actually not the best for people who have painful intercourse. A lot of times they already have tight pelvic floor muscles and what they really need to do is work on relaxing and stretching them rather than strengthening them. And there's this big misconception out in society, out in doctor's offices, that Kegels are the solution to everything. And that is actually not true. That's why pelvic floor therapy, I'm team pelvic floor therapy too. Yes, yes. I I work with several and it was a game changer for me. It's been huge for my patients and it's taking consistency, but also knowing that if you've been going for three months, six months, maybe a year and you're not connecting with the physical therapist or you're not getting any better, it's okay to find someone else, right? Like it's a very intimate setting, Um, but also it's doing the research to know what to expect when you go to the appointment. Because I think many times people don't know what to expect or they're afraid of the internal exam, so they don't go. And there's so many things. Once again, it goes back to communication, the big word of the day communicating with your physician, communicating with your physical therapist to let them know what you're comfortable with, what you're willing to do, you know, maybe things you need to postpone, but that's what they do 24 seven, right? Like they are there to support you in that. And that can be really, really huge as far as pain management. Yes. And I did a couple episodes with a couple different pelvic floor therapists last year talking about what to expect. So if you're listening and you're like, hey, you know, what do I expect? I'm interested in pelvic floor therapy. I don't know where to find one. You can always go check those episodes out because there is more information about how to find somebody near you. There's also a lot of great online resources for pelvic floor physical therapists too. Something else that you had brought up as far as treatment, and there is no cure for endometriosis. Being in medicine, being a physician assistant, you know, it's pushed that the best treatment for endometriosis is birth control. I would love to kind of get more insight from you on what are your thoughts about this and what options are out there for women besides birth control and a hysterectomy? I know. And those two things, I... I have to be honest, they're the biggest misconceptions. And it's so interesting. One of my Instagram posts recently got me in the hot seat because I was talking about birth control, but I'm sticking to it, baby. And here's the deal. Um, If it worked for me, then I would be telling everyone that. If it would have cured my endometriosis and made all the pain go away, I'd stand up on the mountains from here to Colorado and let everyone know, right? But unfortunately, it was not a Band-Aid that worked for me. It didn't bring me any results. Um, What I was told and what happened were two different things. I did get to a point where I was in pain all the time, not just during my cycle, not just PMS week. Like it turned into like, okay, I'm in pain for one week of the month. Then it was two weeks a month. Then I was having to call into work all the time. Next, I had pelvic pain every day, right? So yes, after trying tons of treatments and medications and Lupron and birth control, all that, I have to be honest, I scheduled a hysterectomy because I felt like I had no other option. However, they couldn't get me into the surgery for six or seven months. And And I was able to make some huge changes and cancel that surgery. So I know, I know, I know that birth control is something that people have to use during their healing journey. And I'm not knocking it if that's what works for you, but you need to be educated and you need to be aware of what's going on inside of your body. What other things I call them the BOGO, right? You buy one, but you're getting all these other things for free, right? So bloating, you know, you had the endo belly, let's say before you started it, but then you're taking the birth control, right? Like that's throwing off your gut microbiome. 
So for me, it just caused more constipation. It didn't help me, right? It didn't clear up my skin. It took my sassiness and then turned up the fire and turned me into a crazy woman. Like I'd say things and I was like, I don't even know who's, where did that come from? (laughs) I was like, what am I saying? I don't understand what's going on in my body. There were so many things that went on with the birth control. And I know, like I said, I know it's part of some people's journey. You want to be very aware of the side effects of the birth control. Because there is a lot going on with that. The hysterectomy, a lot of people have hysterectomies. And here's the deal. Endometriosis is not inside of your uterus. So removing the uterus is not going to remove the endometriosis. And so I think once I got a hold of that, other people start to kind of grasp that. You're like, okay, now it can be helpful for adenomyosis. It can be helpful in other situations. But for endometriosis, I just don't feel like it's the answer. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do. I know that a lot of people really want to poo-poo nutrition, but you have to look at your nutrition. It's a game changer. I've had people have excision surgery, which is the golden standard for endometriosis. If you want to have the endometriosis removed, excision is the golden standard, not laparoscopic. So that's another thing, right? But if you have excision surgery and you go back to putting all the toxins in your body, you don't balance your hormones, you're not eating the right food, you can just put yourself in that same situation. So I really recommend that people start with their nutrition. Fitness is important. When I say fitness, it's more movement, right? Like just moving your body. It could be my favorite 60 minutes of cycle class, or today I took a body combat. It could be 10 minutes of stretching and doing yoga in your bed, but you have to move, right? And then the other thing I really tell people when you're looking for natural ways is I know we really focus on what we're putting into our body. And I think that's very important, but we have to be very aware that when those toxins and those hormones and everything start to build up in our body, we have to be just as aware of getting rid of toxins. So it's not just putting all these good things in, but maybe making sure you're supporting your detox pathways, your liver, different things like that. There's so many different things that you can do. There's infrared therapy. I just with endometriosis, I'd recommend that everyone remember it's a full holistic approach. There's not just going to be one modality. That's a silver bullet that turns your entire life around, right? Like I wish it was that easy, but even for myself and my patients, I mean, it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It was some acupuncture. It was cold therapy. It was hot therapy. It was pelvic PT. It was Stop drinking so many processed protein shakes, not to mention I was doing soy protein. So it was some things where, and the fitness industry, soy was the go-to and we went to a conference and then we're all drinking soy protein shakes all day. And then to find out for me and my situation, I was literally feeding my endometriosis, right? So it's really dedicating yourself to know that it's your diagnosis. But what I do, and I love this podcast because the goal is really to educate, empower, and motivate you that you can have an amazing life despite your diagnosis. And so many times, I think when we hear the word no cure, we're just kind of like, oh, this is how it's going to be. You know, I'm just going to be miserable. And that's not true at all. Yes. And I love that you brought up birth control because I am on kind of the more non-Western medicine side when it comes to birth control because I feel like birth control covers up your symptoms. That, that's all it is, is it's a Band-Aid. And birth control has its role. It does a great job with certain things, preventing pregnancy. In some cases, for some women, it helps with their endometriosis. It helps with their PCOS. Sure. Okay. But it also is a Band-Aid that covers up the symptoms. And so I don't think it's the solution for everything. And I do think as a provider, we push that on a lot of patients as oh, you have something, here you go, let's put this Band-Aid on it, rather than let's look at 
all of these other aspects of life and how do we address these things to have a better overall quality of life rather than just putting this on. I mean, a lot of times women who are taking birth control are not taking it for actually preventing pregnancy. Very few, honestly, are taking it for preventing pregnancy. And yeah, so I I am totally here for the conversation of birth control. Yeah. I mean, the way it was sold to me, I had painful periods. So it was like, okay, if you have painful periods, let's just knock the period out and the pain will go away. And you're like, yeah, actually, cool. I'm on board with that, right? Because I'd been so miserable. But then, the, you know, I started having all these side effects and then I started learning what it was doing to my body. And then it was like, well, hold it. I brought it in for these two problems, but now I've got a laundry list of issues. And it was like, oh, we got a prescription for that. We got a pre-. So it was like, okay, that one birth control, then I was tacking on something for the IVSC, the constipation. Then I had to tack something else on because I was having the hot flashes. Then it was like, well, hold it. <laughs> it's kind of like, I feel like I'm heading in the right direction, but I was like, maybe. And then it and you know, it's, it kind of hits you when you go pick up all your prescriptions from Walgreens and you're like, I got a lot going on here, you know? And I'm like, and at the end of the day, I didn't feel any better. Right. And so that is why I do what I do because I've been there. Like I tried conventional medicine. I tried all of those things. And I think it takes a good combination of conventional and Western. You just have to really mesh it together and find the right practitioners. Like it takes a team of practitioners. Like I said, it's not just one modality, not just one supplement, not just one food that you're going to eliminate. That's going to change your world. It just really is a fully holistic approach. Yes. And that's what you help your patients with. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. Because like I said, you can bring in some conventional. Sometimes, like I said, birth control may be part of your healing journey. Maybe you do have to paint, you know, take a pain reliever or something because you're like, when I'm on my cycle, I can't walk, I can't talk. And I'm like, I've been there. I remember having to humbly text my neighbors to take my children to the park, which was four houses down, right? It was a neighborhood park. It wasn't like a day trip, but I'm like, when you couldn't get off the couch or I remember having to sleep on the couch and the living room because I didn't have the strength to get upstairs to the master bedroom, right? So when you're dealing with that, yes, you're going to need some pain, pain pills or whatever that is, the pain medication. But it's remembering that you need to be bringing in other things because you do not want to solely be dependent on pharmaceuticals. And I think what the pharmaceuticals do, like you said, they mask the problem and then we're like, oh, everything's good. But then as things develop or you, like you said, issues start to get worse, then suddenly you have a cascade effect, right? Or you're like, all right, I'm going holistic. I have people like that. And then they just drop all their medications. And I'm like, whoa, I would never recommend that either, right? You got to titrate, right? Like your body has been depending on that pain med for the last 10, 15 years or whatever. So you got to bring in an alternative. You've got to bring in stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Another unpopular medical opinion is that pharmaceuticals and our our American medicine is meant to keep people sick and that we are constantly finding a solution with medication and kind of keeping that circle going rather than finding the root of the problem. And a lot of times it comes down to diet, nutrition, movement, those have such a huge role in our life. And there's little education for providers about it, first of all. Second of all, very little education out there for people to know how to live a healthier lifestyle that will have a great impact on all areas of their life. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, because you take one pharmaceutical that's supposed to be for one problem, and then you get a couple more side effects, and you're like, that's okay, because just take this, and before you know it, you're on six or seven medications. And the thing is, if the six or seven medications are making you feel amazing, rock with it. But typically, you're not feeling amazing, and there's still something else going on, or the problem is still there. You know, and then especially just with everything going on right now, sometimes our accessibility, these pharmaceuticals or things or surgeries, everything's kind of been postponed. And so even the more, it's just really about empowering yourself so that you can have that quality of life, figuring out what that looks like. And the other thing that I've ran into as a provider is that so many patients come to me and they want the quick fix. They want the simple solution. They don't want to hear about diet and exercise. They don't care to hear about that. They want the pharmaceuticals. And it's so I have a hard time with that because I want to give that other information, but I have to be very careful as to which patients want to hear it. And if they don't want to hear it, I'm not going to shove it down their throat. That's fine. I will prescribe you the medication that you want. I will give you your quick fix. But at the end of the day, that isn't really serving you the best. And it's hard because so many people just don't, they don't want to hear that other side. They don't. And I've been there to where, you know, I was in so much pain. It was like, okay, nutrition. Okay. Yeah. I kind of hear you. But for me, I had to step down from a six figure job that I fought for. I went through the whole interview process, made it to the top of the mountain. And then I had to go in three days later in tears and explain to them that my cycle's not like other people. Like I can't walk those days. Like I'm crawling to the bathroom. I can't shower, get dressed. There was no way. I'd be able to travel consistently. Right. So for me, it was like, okay, I was trying all the quick fixes, but they weren't bringing me the quality of life. Even when I did Lupron, right. And I was in medically induced menopause and it was like, oh, we're going to shut your hormones off and you'll be better. Well, what happened? I started having hot flashes and what they do put me on hormones. And I was like, okay, well, (laughs) I was like, I tried. I mean, I was like, I really and truly tried everything. So it's not that I'm against pharmaceuticals. And like I said, everyone's healing journey is different, but you have to find what works for you and getting to the root of the problem. And it's amazing that when people come into you, you're offering them additional information about the nutrition and lifestyle changes because many people are unaware. They just have no idea. Or you say something to your family and they're like, oh, drink this tea, go vegetarian, do this, do that. And you're just like overwhelmed. And because a lot of people do not even understand what endometriosis is, right? They're just like, oh, painful period, grab some light, I'll keep it pushing. And it's way, way more than that. It is not just a painful period. I don't have endometriosis, but I I work with women who do. I'm familiar with it. I know enough to know that endometriosis is so much more than a painful period. And there's studies that show that it affects quality of life. It affects one of the other big things is paid time off and that a lot of women with endometriosis miss a ton of work or a ton of school. And it affects that aspect of life as well. I mean, it's so much more than a painful period. It's a lot of other things too. Oh, absolutely. It's challenging to get a promotion at a job where they think that you're not showing up consistently and you're doing the best you can and you're putting in your foot forward. But I've had a patient when I, we kind of mapped it out and she's like, I work full time. But after we did the math, 
she was like, actually, I only work part time. She's like, it makes sense of why I got wrote up or it makes sense why they won't promote me or it makes, I mean, like it's truly affecting your quality of life. I mean, at that point, it's affecting your finances. It's affecting your living standards, right? It's not that you're not a hard worker, but your body is not showing up for you consistently, which means you can't consistently show up to work, consistently be in relationships, you know, do things with your family, pursue relationships, pursue endeavors, career, like all of those things are really put on hold because of your health. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm talking about this and bringing awareness to it and talking about alternatives and all of that is so important because it's not just a one size fits all approach. Every single woman is going to have a different thing, a different method, whatever. They're going to need something different to manage their endometriosis and be able to do what they want to do every day comfortably. Now, when it comes back to like intimacy and sex, I'm curious for women with endometriosis, are there some positions that generally are a little bit better than others? Right. First one I would say is on your side can be a lot more comfortable laying on your side, more in a spoon position on all fours, not going to be the best. It can be very, very painful with that penetration because that put that it's just, oh gosh, it just <laughs> tongue ties me as I think about it. It can be very, very painful. So laying on your side, also depending on your partner, like I would always say, make sure there's a little extra foreplay, right? And people are like, oh, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm kind of getting in your business here and this is why. Because you want to make sure those juices, everything is warmed up. You don't want to be in there just dry humping. That's going to be super, super painful. So add in a little extra foreplay so that everything is warmed up, juiced up, whatever you want to call it before have sex because it can be painful, right? It's also realizing that it's okay to be intimate without penetrative sex, right? Finding other ways to connect with your partner when maybe the penetrative sex is not an option. Yes. And that is where working with somebody like myself, like an intimacy coach can help you find other ways to have sex or outer course that feels good, that may not be penetrative. So Yes, I love that. And the spooning position, I can I can see where doggy style would be really uncomfortable just because I mean you can kind of you hit a lot more that way. Yeah, yeah. And just that deeper penetration and it's very very sharp. It can be very yeah. sharp pain, yes. I love that. Is there anything else as far as like sex and intimacy tips for women who have endometriosis or anything else that you would really like to add? So I would say the biggest takeaways would be to communicate with your partner. You have to communicate with your partner, especially when you're having intimacy issues, when you're having pain and not just painful sex, right? When you're in pain, you just need to really communicate. So many times partners are like, I don't, I didn't know it was that bad. I didn't know what was going on. So really educate your partner. Now make sure you do when you're not in a player, that's not the time to call a family meeting when you're in pain and you're, you're just going off the rails. You want to have a nice, calm conversation. The other thing I would say is make sure you're communicating with your physician, right? Make sure there's a plan besides come back every six months or once a year or whatever, or call us if you have a really bad painful flare or call us if you're in the hospital. Make sure there's a plan because even if you are using pharmaceuticals, the goal should be to not rely on them forever, right? Because this is a chronic illness. This is an invisible illness. This diagnosis is going to be there forever. So you need to have a pain management 
management. You need to have a quality of life plan. And then the other thing I would say is if you have a physician that is not listening to you, you have to advocate for yourself. You have to have those tough conversations. And if it just isn't working out for you, it is okay. And I'm going to say this. I don't care if your mother has used the same doctor, your grandmother, all your sisters, your nieces, everyone's went to the same doctor. If it is not working for you, you need to find a physician that will listen to you because that is the only way you're going to get the care that you really need. Yes. I am a huge advocate for advocating for your healthcare. And if your provider just isn't doing what you want, if you're not getting the answers that you want, find a new one. It is okay. And I am definitely supportive of that. Now, where can the listeners find you at? Yes. So the best place to find me right now is on Clubhouse. If you go on Clubhouse, I love my Clubhouse app. I do lots of free rooms and lots of free value on there. Under LJ Johnson, I've got my website, which is ljspowerhouse.org. I'm also on Instagram as LJS underscore powerhouse. I'm sure all the links will be included with the podcast, but those are the best places to find me. And then always, you know, like I say, don't be afraid. Give me a follow on Instagram and then send me a DM if you have any questions or if you want to connect. I've got some freebies as well. So yeah, would look look forward to meeting with everyone. Yes, I love that. And I'll definitely put all the links in there. And I know that whenever I have patients who are open to alternatives for endometriosis management, that I do always send them your Instagram. That's actually how I found you was through Instagram. And um, yeah, I always share that resource because it is helpful. This podcast is sponsored by Intimacy Coaching by Jordan Donnell. Have you ever desired more from your sex life or feel like you're having good sex, but curious about how to make it even better? Are you desiring a deeper intimate connection with yourself? Or maybe you are dealing with desire and arousal concerns or struggling with communicating your desires with your partner. If you're hearing this and thinking, hmm, that might be me, and you're curious to learn a bit more, let's chat. I would love to talk with you more to see if working with me is a good fit for you. To learn more about intimacy coaching with Jordan Donnell, go to coaching.jordandonnell.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.